0: Hey everyone and welcome to the second episode of How to Win Friends and Influencer the podcast. My name's Lily and I'm your excellent host for this episode. Can I describe myself as excellent? Well I'm going to do that anyway and I already have. So today we're talking about study methods and this episode is really directed at first year students and new medical students especially. It sounds a little bit strange. I mean, why do we need to talk about study? To be honest, you've probably done 13 or so years of primary school and high school. If you're doing a postgraduate course now, you've also done an undergraduate course. So you've been studying for probably most of your life. But what makes medicine complicated is that when you come to medical school, there are so many options for how you study. You can go to lectures, you could not go to lectures, you could use textbooks, you could use other resources like videos and even podcasts. Because you have so many choices, it gets really confusing and really complex. And because everyone has their own style, you might not be studying the same way as someone else. So what this podcast is going to be about is letting you learn through other people's mistakes. So generations of medical students have come before you figured out through trial and error, what sorts of methods work and don't work. And this is to to give you a shortcut. So in this episode, I'm lucky enough to have my good friend, Steve, to talk about different study methods that are available. And we hope that from this, you could come out with it, figuring out one or many different uh, resources that might be applicable to you. And it'll really just give you a a leg up to find your own way to study. And of course, studying is integral to passing medical school. So Steve, thank you so much for coming onto the show. G'day
1: Lily. thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no worries. I hope you look forward to becoming famous.
1: Ah uh, will
0: I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. Okay. Now there are there are two reasons that I've got Steve on this show. Well, uh, one is that he's just a pretty good bloke. And the other reason <laughs> the other reason is that Steve is not a typical student. Well, In fact he's no, very atypical.
1: That's right. That, mm. that I go to lectures. Is that exactly. Yes.
0: Exactly. Steve goes or went, rather, to lectures. And surprising as that sounds, when you get to medical school, it's not uncommon for many, many students to just sit at home uh, listening to lecture recordings. And in many ways, that can be more efficient. But Steve, you chose to go to lectures. And
1: and I kept going. I think um, at the start of the year, when we started medical school, there was probably about 300 of us going to lectures. By the end, I don't know, 30, 35, 40. um, But yeah, I found that going to lectures definitely worked for me.
0: I think that contrast is very interesting. I'm sure on the first day when you got the Dean's address there must have been 300 students and and by the end it was just a tenth left.
1: That's right. Yep yeah. yep so and I think people slowly dropped off uh, during the two years for different reasons. There were times that I actually thought uh, is this really working for me but I think on balance uh, actually turning up and being there for a couple of reasons just worked for me. I, I, I know plenty of people who um, found that not going worked for them. So look, I think it's just a matter of finding out what does work for your right. particular learning style.
0: Why would you want to go to lectures? That sounds so crazy. You've got the option of sitting at home in your pajamas on a comfortable chair. Why would you choose to go?
1: Um, look, I found that it just, it was something, it was, it was a routine. Um, I knew that if I turned up, went to lectures, then at the end of the day, I'd seen all the lectures, I could process it and go home. Whereas I think people who watch lectures online, you know, they can pick and choose, get behind. Um, So there was that reason. I also think just being there, um, it's a much, it's a a greater sensory experience. You're seeing the lecture, you're seeing the slides, um, you're participating, and I think that just helps form stronger memories, I think it's just more memorable. but, you know, there are downsides too, which I'm sure you will get to.
0: <laughs> well, but before we get to the downsides, we'll try and convince people to go to lectures. We'll, we'll stick with the positives for a little longer. Okay. You mentioned a whole sensory experience, and I think that's so applicable, because when you go to lectures, you do have a social side. You get to see people. Yep. You, you get to commiserate about lectures. So if a lecture's really good, you get to say to the person next to you, that was really interesting. And if you think it was terrible, then you also have people to sort of whinge about it with. And and that is a way that you make friends through complaining and through shared experience.
1: Definitely. I think the whole social side of going to lectures is also really important, you know. Um, During, between, whispering to the person next to you, (laughs) what did he just say? Yeah. Um, I think that's all great. And also, you know, you go off for lunch, you process. So, yeah. I think um, socially, you know, there's no comparison. Um, Going to lectures is a great way of meeting people and just... Um, enjoying the, learned, the the shared experiences of med school
0: yeah and philosophically that's a really big aim of medical school so although you're there to to try and pass and you want to do well academically that is your primary aim another really big aim is to have fun and obviously you need to be passing your exams and not being too stressed in order to do that but once that settles you also want to be making friends and really making an experience out of it. You don't want to be here for four to six years just hitting textbooks and not really talking to anyone. So you do have to balance those two aspects. Now with lectures you you did also mention another interesting point which is about consistency and and having a sort of routine. I think that's also really applicable because we often get told that example of uh, eating a stack of pancakes so so they say that studying for medical school is like having a giant stack of pancakes in front of you And if you just eat one every day, that's okay and that's manageable But if you leave all of your pancakes to the end just before an exam, you have to eat 1500 pancakes in one day And no matter how much you like pancakes, do you like pancakes, Steve? Uh, not
1: 1500 of them no. Yeah, oh. see that,
0: that would not be pleasant So another idea of medical school is uh, getting you to do things consistently Yeah So so yeah so I mean lectures definitely have their perks but to be fair we also have to talk about the other side which is not going to lectures yes yeah. and
1: look I can see that the, 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 the argument for not going yep. to lectures I think you know one of them is there's no pause button that you can <laughs> that's hit. true um there's many times I would have just been like can you just hold on while <laughs> I just look up and read what you're talking about um so I think I think that's a but I think the pause button could also become a bit dangerous when you're watching yeah. online. And I'm just going to pause. I've just got this little thing I'm going to do over in the kitchen, and two hours later, oh, that was a long pause. <laughs> um, I think, in, in hindsight over the last two years, the the biggest negative has been just sitting down for so long. You know, you go to six hours of lectures, yep. you just sit there. I mean, you can stand up in between lectures yep. and stretch, but yeah, I think. I think the amount of sitting is a pretty big negative whereas if you're watching them online I know people with standing desks and you know they can move around so I think it could be a little bit healthier physically to watch lectures online but yeah on balance I still ended up going.
0: Yeah and that's why this is very much an individual sort of decision. Although the best uh, excuse that I heard for not going to a lecture was Someone saying that their butt just really hurt because the seats were uncomfortable. <laughs> well, which is sounds like our lecture theater. Yeah, so yeah. Which is fair enough if you're there for six hours. Now, with the watching lectures at home, there there is a certain amount of efficiency there, isn't there? I hear a lot of stories of people fast forwarding to one point seven on VLC. Yep. Um if you've not yet become familiar with, you know, fast forwarding lectures, this will be something that will determine your life in the end. People say 1.7 because 1.3 is a little bit too slow. Two is a little bit fast. <clears throat> but um, the idea is that when you sit at home, you can do things at your own pace. You can make the lectures go a lot faster. and You can save a lot of time. But that said, it is a little bit antisocial. You won't see people as much. And it does take a lot of uh, personal discipline. And the other big downside is you don't get that sensory experience. You don't get to see what the lecturer looks like. Yeah. You... Sometimes the recording won't work out. You know, someone in the audience will say something and you won't hear it. Is there anything else you want to add on that point, Steve?
1: Just that the start and the end of the lecture will often get chopped yeah. off as well. So Yeah, that's and true. often that's when the lecturer will say, Ah, the examinable points of this lecture are or this is what you should really remember. <laughs> so
0: And then the lecture recording will just cut <laughs> off. Yeah, right. oh, what was that? yeah, yeah, that's right. And if you've got a very old school lecturer as well who maybe writes something on a whiteboard or even a blackboard then you just might not get a recording at all, just the audio and no visuals. So there are a couple of risks there, but if you do find that this suits you better, that you don't want to go to lectures and it works, if that's for you, that's fine. Everyone has their own styles. And again, it's just about presenting the advantages and disadvantages of each. So that's kind of the the main division when it comes to study. Do you go to lectures or do you not go to lectures? And you might want to vary that throughout. Some people experiment. They might do one term going and one term not going and see what works. And it might depend on your personal commitments. But once you've got that worked out, lectures or no lectures, you might also want to turn to other resources, not just your uni um, lecture slides. What other resources can people use, Steve?
1: Oh, well, it's almost an endless (laughs) list in in medicine.
0: What are the high yields or the really popular ones?
1: Well, I mean, I go to a medical school, we don't need to sit the USMLE Step 1. So there's a lot of resources for USMLE Step 1. So even I think for medical students who don't need to do that exam, I think those resources are still, you know, some of the best resources you can access. So, you know, First Aid, Pathoma, um, the various question banks. Um, So I think, you know, anywhere around the world, they're useful. And obviously if you're sitting step one, then they're ultra useful. Um, and there's my all time favorite, of course, which is Anki. Uh, Ooh, I, I think Steve <laughs> just said a,
0: a dirty word. Actually, um, so Anki is a software that I personally am not a fan of, Steve is a very big fan. In in all other respects, we're very good friends, but we just differ on this one point. Um, Although
1: <laughs> I have got using it from time to time. Uh, <laughs>
0: Ooh, yes, my deep dark secret coming <laughs> Now, before we get into this most hated topic of mine, which is Anki, um, let's rewind and talk about some of those US Emily resources. Now, just a really quick overview. The US Emily is an exam if you're planning to um, study, for example, in Australia and go over to the US to practice. So it's like a qualification sort of entry exam after medical school. Now, there are a lot of resources about that help people study for this exam because it's quite stressful. And one of the ones you mentioned is first aid for US Emily. So what exactly is that?
1: Um, I guess you'd describe first aid as yeah. just extremely high yield point form um, of uh, full coverage of all the basic sciences covered by in in medical school, yeah. um, but with lots of little handy memory aids in the, in the margins as well. So, Like, you know, if you're doing a lecture on, you know, some sort of pathology, some sort of, I don't know, like kidney disease, you know, you can go to the first aid section and get a nice overview of all the different pathologies, the physiology, uh, the pharmacology, and you're not going to learn from first aid, but you know (laughs) that, you know, if if everything sort of looks familiar, then you've got it it covered, so...
0: So contrary to what it sounds like, first aid is not a first aid kit. It's just a very, very thick textbook with lots of uh, bullet points and lots of mnemonics, which you mentioned, which is another way that you will get through medical school by constructing hilarious stories or weird uh, acronyms that will help you remember lots of facts. So first aid is really good for when you already kind of know something, but you want a catchy way to remember it or just a summary. Yep. So probably not something that you would just use just on its own. No, 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 for sure. Now, you also mentioned something called Pathoma. What's that?
1: Uh, Pathoma, yes. So that's a series of videos. So I think in different medical schools, pathology gets taught by, you know, at different levels. But I think Pathoma is just a nice, standardized, concise and well-taught pathology course. So I think it's a really good supplement to certainly our medical schools, pathology teaching. Um, so yeah, I think if you put it into Google Pathoma, it'll, uh, it'll pop up. Sure. Um, and so
0: that's not a textbook, is it?
1: No, not a yeah. series of um, video yeah. or online web. Online lectures. Yeah. Okay.
0: Now there is one that is uh, actually a video and that's DIT, isn't it? Doctors in Training. Yes, I
1: mean, that's it. Yeah. So look, that's something I haven't used myself, but I know that people do use it. Um, and again, I think that's a good supplement to your mm. own medical schools curriculum because it's a very concise and structured um, delivery but, but they not only provide information but there's some explanation there as well so I think it can supplement lectures.
0: Yeah so, so the big idea here is that there are a lot of external resources available if you want to do uh, more in addition to your, your uni work because that might not be enough you might want videos or other ways to learn or you might just be super interested super keen but if these aren't for you there are even more options now we also talked about something called anki,
1: anki what
0: yes. is anki
1: uh anki is uh software it's yep. based so the, the principle behind anki is that um testing yourself and spaced repetition build stronger memories yeah Um, and it combines those two principles in software. So the testing yourself part is in the form of a flashcard, which is basically, you've got a front side, which is typically a question and a back side, which is the answer. So you test yourself by looking at the question on the front and seeing if you can, if the answer comes to mind, if it does, you say, yep, I got it. If it doesn't, you say, no, I failed to get the card. The spaced repetition part of it is that if a card that you last saw 10 days ago um, you see it again today and you can you say and you still remember the answer of the card um, it's likely according to the algorithm built into anki that in 20 days time you'll still you're still likely to be able to remember. Or that's the time when you should see that card again to build a strong memory. If you could still remember it after 20 days, you won't see it again until another 40 days have passed. So um, basically you make a card, you'll probably see it in a couple of days, then maybe a week later, then two weeks later, then a month, two months. And and it's been proposed that that sort of schedule builds good long-term memories which is obviously what we want
0: right yeah we, so we don't want to just cram all the information once and then forget it straight away so so enki is about having a digital flashcard system that lets you constantly test yourself mm-hmm. um, at intervals that are appropriate for you and just just drill that memory into you and keep reinforcing it
1: and does it does it works well
0: <laughs> now where do these questions come from
1: ah yes well so Anki makes it pretty easy to make your own cards. And there is an argument that if you do make your own cards, mm. there's sort of like a generation effect. Um, you, they are more memorable to right. you. So you can uh, just copy
0: and paste lecture slides into a, into a card and make a question or type it yourself?
1: Yeah, look, either of those. I think, you know, you're, you're so, you you'll sort of figure out over a time what sort of mm. format of flashcard works best for you. Yeah. So there's there definitely is higher... And lower quality flashcards. Uh, if you search around the web on Anki, you'll come a, across a list of rules um, by the guy who actually invented the first flashcard program, which is a program called um, I think it's SuperMemo or SuperMemory. Okay. Um, so he's a researcher who came up with that with the principle, and the guy who wrote Anki just took his ideas and algorithms and just made it into a more sort of flexible and free package. Okay.
0: And that's an um, important thing, isn't it? It's free. <laughs> Whereas some of the packages we talked about earlier, Pathoma, Doctors and Training, I think they're paid commercial packages, aren't they? Yeah. they're yep. Yep. So Anki is just, what is it, open source? It, it is open yep. source, except
1: yep. if you own an iPhone or an iPad and the guy who um, wrote Anki, he yep. charges for those versions, but there's a free version on Android okay. and, and the computer versions are all free. Yep.
0: That said, I have seen quite a lot of people using Anki on their phones anyway, so I think So many people place a lot of faith in this system that they're willing to pay for it. If that's a sign of anything, when students are willing to pay for something. That's true. We don't work for Anki. (laughs) No. But um, it is one of the most popular things that I've seen around in students. Now, um, there are also decks you can get from other people, can't you?
1: There are. So in in our cohort, um, Anki is very popular. So people will tend to make Anki decks for specific tests. Mm -hmm and then upload them and share them across the cohort so that's very handy you can someone will, you know if we've got an anatomy spot test people will upload and normally by the end of the two years we had so many people using anki that there'd be two or three or four that you could choose from to study from Um, there are also anki decks that exist basically not just specific to a a med school's curriculum but um, I think the the Broencephalon first aid decks are particularly <laughs> famous, which is a guy who's turned first aid um, into a, I think there's 20,000 wow. flashcards.
0: Yep. So someone's gone and done the work for you and all you have to do is drill yourself with their deck.
1: Mm, find so. them, which, you know, search around, they're, they're floating out there. Um, Broencephalon, that's the key search <laughs> term and uh, it'll turn up. So yeah, if, if Anki's popular in your um, med school yep. and usually, you know, the, the cohort above, if, you know, someone in the cohort above, you may have uh, made yep. some decks, uh, it can save a lot of time. But I still think making your own cards, if you've got the time, can be beneficial. Oh. So I, I did a bit of both. I definitely made my own cards, but, you know, yep. when I needed to, I used other people's as well.
0: are there any types of tests where Anki is particularly effective and maybe some where Anki is not as useful
1: Uh, well I think you know uh, anatomy spot tests it's as long as you've got nice you know the the sorts of pictures that you're going to be tested on then you know spot tests can be very helpful so that's Um, any kind
0: of test where you've got something you have to identify and it's really really just memory visual yeah yeah, which, which
1: a lot of it actually is I mean Anki's not good for understanding material. You know, you want to <laughs> yeah. understand yeah. it first, and then sort of drill it. But there's a lot in med where there's nothing really to understand. You just have to remember, <laughs> remember, it. So,
0: well, yeah. on that topic of remembering a lot of things, let's talk about anatomy because this will probably be a big part of um, almost any medical degree, and certainly a big part of understanding how the human body works. You have to know the parts of it first. I think anatomy kind of occupies a special kind of study method. So in addition to Anki, there are other resources you can use. For anatomy, I would really recommend having an atlas. So Netter is a really good one. Yes. Um, Are there any other books that you would recommend for anatomy?
1: Well, there's the apps. So yeah, yeah, you can get, I can't quite remember the name of them, but there's various apps that you can get for your phone, which are servers, atlases. Yeah, and I think they
0: all have some variation of the word anatomy in there. <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> and
1: they're usually not cheap, unfortunately, yeah. but, um, but yeah. yeah, so I think they're very, yeah. Yeah, essential anatomy. That's, right. that's a good one. And yeah.
0: so these are apps where you can, uh, you view a sort of digital illustration of the body and you can strip away muscle layers and, and view inside. So yeah, and like rotate like, it around, zoom yeah.
1: in, zoom out, so yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're good
0: i think there is a lot more place for understanding in that in anatomy than people give it credit for it is a lot of memorizing but if you also understand where things are placed that really helps as well as that you'll probably have standard uh, textbooks like um, gray's anatomy for students moore's anatomy Um, any one of these is fine google images there are a lot of resources out there but a really fantastic one is ackland's video anatomy Mm yeah so what did you think of that one steve
1: oh yeah i loved it compared to the the pro sections that um, we got to see uh, they were fantastic so very
0: fresh looking um it sounds a bit odd but very fresh looking specimens in the videos very clear explanations and i think it's really nice to have another format to learn not just books it's great to have videos from time to time books and lectures and just all sorts of learning yeah yeah um, now, another way you can learn, a little bit biased, is podcasts. Yes. I would definitely, definitely not only have a podcast. I don't think that would be substantial at all. But there are some podcasts out there that give you uh, a little bit of supplementary learning. It's, um, I can give you names like Humorous Hacks is a really wonderful one. Um, two girls, Karen and Sarah, just endless jokes and a lot of mnemonics. And that's exactly what you want from medical school. Um, there are other ones like med conversations, which are maybe a little bit more clinical, but if you've got a bit of spare time or you have a long train journey, these can be useful to supplement your learning. Um, there are also some audio lectures Are there that you can get.
1: Um, the goal, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Is it the goal jam? <laughs> <There's some laughs> yeah, that's particularly famous yeah. um, lectures of, uh, yep, uh, pathology, physiology. Right. So yeah. They sort of fly, I think, I don't know if you can buy those, but they sort of float around the, yeah. the web. Yeah, I
0: think there are a lot of resources that um, older students and other members of your cohort may have access to and there is a very big sharing economy in medicine yeah, I'd say sure that. Is. <laughs> yes. now on the topic of sharing we're sort of leaning towards the social aspect of it you can also do study groups what do you think about that Steve?
1: yeah look I think study groups are a yeah. great idea so yeah I was in a couple of study groups um, and I think uh, it helps to if you can actually teach somebody something I think that helps in your own understanding so I'd, I'd have a study group maybe two study groups a week I did one study group for OSCE preparation I had another for our basic sciences preparation and I think just talking about the material going through it getting someone else's perspective on what we've been learning that week uh, was invaluable so yeah time well spent
0: yeah. And the other thing about study groups is it forces you to go. It's like having a gym buddy. Maybe you feel really lazy that day and you don't want to go, but knowing someone else is going to pressure you into doing it really works. So with study groups, the key is consistency. So for example, you might be part of a study group where you really don't want to go that day. just just had so many lectures and everyone's tired. But that peer pressure forces you, and I think that's very helpful, mm, isn't it? Most of the time it forces most people to go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think <laughs>
1: if you let it slide, that's when it can... You know, yeah. So, yeah, but I think I agree. Getting in there and doing it no matter how you feel is... And once normally, once you get in the room and you start, you know, you, just the social side, you know, you get into the flow and you're glad that you actually turned up and did it. So, yeah.
0: yeah. To add to that, though, I will say, again, it is very individual and... Just because you don't have a study group doesn't mean that you know everything will be calamity Uh, Everyone is different. If you can learn just as well without a study group and do it individually um, That is also fine. It's just the study group is another option And it's especially useful for as Steve mentioned things like OSCE So these are your practical exams where you might have a simulation with a patient Now of course being a more social sort of exam that's very suited to practicing with other people And we will do a future episode on OSCE preparation by itself but just to get you started watching videos especially on youtube is a fantastic way to practice for oskies so really popular channels include uh, geeky medics uh, there are a couple of channels out there with OSCE in the title if you basically search up what exam you want to do so for example knee exam there'll be a lot of videos that you can just watch and it's really useful to get the process now Another thing that's really useful, just as a general tip, is drawing diagrams. Mm. And I know we're not all artists, and maybe if we were all artists, there wouldn't be as many people in medical school. So just by inference, you are on your way to become a doctor, not an artist. But there are certain uh, topics where diagrams are really useful. So I would say anatomy is actually very useful if you want to draw your own diagrams, particularly for nerves. Mm. Yes, look,
1: I've seen some amazing diagrams yeah personally i can't draw them so it's not (laughs) something that i did but yeah i've seen some very talented people and you know i wish i could but i just can't i did experiment with like mind mapping at one stage but again i didn't i know again people find that very useful but wasn't something that really clicked with me maybe that's just my lack of artistic skills but uh
0: thank you for proving my point which is just that not that you're a bad artist my thank point you. is just I that every, everyone is so individual and uh, for example with diagrams they don't have to be very beautiful they can be extremely hideous but if you understand them they can make sense for example when you're doing a basic sciences revision and you've got a lot of transporters you've got a cell with a lot of transporters on both sides just drawing them out makes such a big difference and it's it's a lot more helpful than just looking at it on the lecture side so for example if you were to draw out bits of the kidney or the nephron and you want to remember the transporters it really helps to draw a diagram for that if you want to do nerves for anatomy or certain uh, vessels maybe you're drawing out the circle of willis again it can be so ugly that nobody else can make sense of it but if it makes sense to you then that works and it served its purpose
1: you solved me i'll give it a go <laughs>
0: So even though Steve doesn't have have any more lectures, he's going to give drawing a shot. Consider that a win. (laughs) Still
1: got to remember it all.
0: (laughs) Now, we have touched a bit on um, this idea of of basic sciences. And I just want to give a little note to anyone who's coming from a non-science background. Now, there can be a lot of fear mongering amongst uh, people saying, you know, you come from non-science, you're hideously disadvantaged. And look, to some extent, that may be true. You may not have done an undergraduate degree in medical science and that's totally fine because one of the reasons that you do have strengths is your diversity of background but um, you'll hear all sorts of things from you'll take a year to catch up to the science kids or ooh ooh, it must be really hard for you are you really struggling Um, and I just want to say in my opinion it's it's more about individual variation than you're handicapped because you come from non-science background. Uh, Looking around I've seen some really wonderful non-science background people. I think maybe, ironically, the fear that they're coming from a sort of disadvantaged background makes them work harder. And so for anyone out there who's kind of terrified, like, ooh, I've studied linguistics and I don't know anything about a cell, I I think that's fine. Everyone starts from um, a very clueless place. Even if you studied medical science, you start from a very clueless place in medical school. And uh, my uh, sentiment there is that there's hope. (laughs)
1: definitely yeah. yeah i think i don't know maybe after a year you i think the the difference mm. is negligible it's i think the 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 what you, similar topics are taught maybe in med sciences to med school but mm. they're taught very differently so yeah. th- there is an advantage but it, it's a slightly disappearing advantage so and it does disappear as time goes on
0: yeah and Just rest assured that one day when you go to parties and people ask you, what did you study before medicine? You'll be the most interesting person in the room. Unless you're an emergency physician then you might have more interesting stories to tell. But the idea is uh, your background will suit you well in some aspects, maybe you're a little bit disadvantaged with some basic sciences, you may not be, but you may be. Um, But when you get to something like OSCE or just clinical practice, you may have something there that you didn't know you would get from your arts background. So I think that really wraps up what we were talking about today. The moral here is that there are so many different ways to study and you can pick and choose whatever you want. And you can actually adapt your style as you go through medical school. So you might start off going to lectures, decide lectures aren't for you. uh, Try a term where you don't go to lectures and where you study a lot of online videos. Maybe that also doesn't work and you go back to lectures and it might even depend on the topic. So there is so much scope for variation. But a really good source of some wisdom, besides this podcast, is older students and other members of your cohort. But just a last word of advice there. If everyone's doing something really different from you, but what you're doing is working out, that's okay. If it's working, then it's fine. I think the proof that it's working is proof that it's working. So anything else to add there, Steve?
1: And no, I think you've done a fantastic job. Oh,
0: Thank you. I love praise. <laughs> Now, maybe to end off, uh, let's let's each give our listeners just one really useful tip, maybe something that you wish you'd known going to medical school or something that got you through medical school. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I think it's, it's not fair to uh, give you this tough question and, and make you go first. So for me, I think the big tip would be to, oh, it sounds so generic, but to make the most of it, to... Um, to not just treat medical school as an academic experience, like I said before, there is a very big social aspect to it. So, as we speak, um, Steve and I aren't in a studio recording this one, we're sitting in our uh, friend um, Martin, Michelle and Austin's house, they have just cooked us a wonderful lunch, and we're just sitting here recording this. And that's the kind of thing where you, um, if you go out and be a little bit social, you can make really, really good friendships. And that's a lot more powerful than, you know, learning anatomy from a textbook. So. I think if you're open to uh, to having fun, fun will come, um, again remember to focus on the academic side because that is your primary aim but once you've got that down, once you realize you don't have to have 100% in every exam and in fact that's probably an impossible goal but if you learn enough content that you would feel competent coming out of medical school to be a doctor, I think that's enough and you should also remember that you've got a life, you've probably got things outside medicine and you will, you can make really great friends in medicine. So there there is a fun side to it it is not all study for sure all right Steve I think I've given you enough time to stall okay yes so
1: I guess <laughs> my tip would be that cramming is not a good idea Yep. just cramming is not a good idea yep. but so if you can space your study out throughout the semester um, I think that gives you a much greater foundation but once you do get into that last week Yep. go back to your cramming so you know cramming still works when it's used in conjunction with spaced repetition um, so that would be my tip
0: yeah so, so that's a really good point as well it's the idea that although we all aim for that study and leisure balance it can be largely there if you're consistent but there will be times where you have to put a little bit more in such as just before exams and I guess that's just medical school life <laughs> Sure. yeah so overall uh, thank you so much Steve Thank you. It's it's been fantastic to relive all these medical school study days. Um, What I would say to the listeners is for those who have just started medical school, congratulations. That would be uh, a very big achievement. Either a lot of study on your part or a lot of luck. But either way, fantastic achievement to get in. And there will be a little bit of struggle ahead. It will be an interesting, difficult road at times. But I think it's very rewarding. And... Although we've got a whole episode dedicated to study, don't worry, study is not going to be your entire life for the next four years. It's just gonna be a little part of it. So all the best and we'll see you in the next episode.